We'd like to thank our Patreon producers, Dan Vale, Tom Bach, Stuart Ferguson, and Jonathan for making this episode possible. Hi, friends. Welcome to Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jared Petty. And on my left, your right, except you can't see because there's no camera anymore, so I probably have to dismiss that intro. My friend, Lucy O'Brien, the greatest Kiwi of them all. <laughs> Look, you, you, you're pitching me up against Sam Neill and Lucy Lawless there. I can't win that fight. Okay, well, Lucy Lawless, I'm with you. Sam Neill was in the Omen 4, and I think right there that puts you above him. Like <laughs> Sam Neill, yes, Star of Jurassic Park, but also Star of Jurassic Park 3. That's true. Star of the Final Conflict, the Omen 4. Star of many other... I mean, you're a horror movie buff, right? I, I am. Have you even seen Omen 4? I've seen Omen 4. I've, he's also done some great horror stuff. He yeah. was in um, Event Horizon, yep. and he was in that... Oh, I watched it recently, that really messed up one... Where the writer, he goes into the small town and the writer's book has sent everyone in, in the mouth of madness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it is, Sam Neill. Sam Neill. What a mixed career Sam Neill's had. I like him. Best best Kiwi. Yep. So now my ignorance shining forth. I had no idea. Yeah. Sam Neill yeah. was a New Zealander. He is. Yeah. Well, I'll be. He, he lives on a farm in New Zealand and he like, if you follow he's got a, the most delightful Twitter account. Does he? So you must follow it. Everyone listening, follow Sam Neill on Twitter because it's just photos of his like, weird farm animals and oh, him just him and the animals yeah like, just like, him what, and the animals he, oh you say weird farm animals does he like does he raise like zebras or no kudu no 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 or, these are just or, like run-of-the-mill like sheep and goats okay and stuff right. like that but you know sheep and goats are weird looking and uh-huh. he like posts selfies with them and it's so great and okay. wholesome that's that is wholesome yeah also, and now it, his hat his his whole montana hat motif from jurassic park just seems a little more authentic yeah you know? exactly is he in fact a, is he a, a a kiwi cowboy i think he might be a kiwi cowboy actually i like as as close to a kiwi cowboy as as you, you could get okay yeah well i know sheep are raised in in uh, new zealand are cattle raised extensively there I, that's a good question that I don't, I mean, yes, from uh-huh. my limited experience of like going to farms when I was a kid. Yeah. But you're from um, the city, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Wellington. Okay. So it's, it, I wasn't really around that stuff too much. The um, historical home of Beef Wellington. That's not true. No, no, it's not at all. <laughs> it's just, but I was ready to believe you for a split second. I was like, how have I never been told this my entire life? Um, San Diego. <laughs> That's the whale's vagina. That's right. There we are. So there's there's a beautiful one there. We're off to the races here on Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. Lucy, you have you have become an international woman of mystery. Well, yeah, not so much mystery, but definitely the international woman. Yeah, yes. I mean because you you were born and grew up in New New Zealand, mm-hmm. and, but you spent the last many years now. Yeah, eight years in um, living in Sydney in, in Australia. In Australia, mm-hmm. yeah. And now you have arrived here in the United States of America. It still doesn't even when, it, even when I do, like talk about it, it still doesn't feel real. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I still, I'm like, no, I'm just on vacation. Expound. Well, it's just, it's just you know, I've only ever known the states as a location for like work trips or vacation right Mm -hmm. like and so that's how i associate it 
with myself. Mm-hmm. And so when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm just, just another day of this really long vacation that I'm on. Okay. Even though I'm not, it doesn't feel like vacation at all because yeah. I've been at work. Well, that's, um, and perhaps before we go any further, for folks that aren't, don't know you, you're a professional writer. Yes. Uh, and you've come over here often for mm-hmm. work because you're also a journalist. So you, yes. you cover all kinds of things. So what brought you over to the States before? Um, before this? Yeah, when uh, you would visit for work. It was, I, I don't know, all sorts of things. So I worked at the Sydney office um, of IGN. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it would be things like E3, just like junkets and, 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 and various, various work things. Like we did a... Um, what did we do a couple of years ago? We did like a Forza 4 uh, international challenge. Oh, did you drive a race car? I didn't drive a real race car. Oh. I just drove a fake race car. I was just imagining you driving a real race car for a second. Because they have that, like, I don't know if you're aware of this, but here in America, and this may exist in, in other countries, something similar. But here in the United States, where we have NASCAR, are you, are you aware of? Yes, of, I know, know of its existence. Yeah, it's, it's stock cars doing a bunch of left turns uh, very, very fast. In a big circle. But there are places in America where you can go and purchase the NASCAR experience. And they will take you out on a pro NASCAR sized track and a stock car, teach you to drive it, and then let you roar around that track at 150 miles an hour. Oh, my gosh. So I mean, I I, it was something like that. No, I, I think I would probably not be sitting here if they let me behind the wheel of a real race car. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like it just bits and pieces, things like that. Like, I, I, you know, I've probably come over to the States twice a year for the last six years. Okay. So it still does feel like I'm just doing that. No, I remember that, that I was sometimes years into my time living uh, living in Japan that I would just be like, wait, do I live here? Yeah, yeah. But I like, I mean, I, I, when I moved to Australia, I felt like that for at least a year. Okay. Like, I was just like, this is weird. I live, I live here now? Mm-hmm. It just never really, I mean, it takes a long time for it to sink in. So you've done one round of culture shock and now you're in a whole other round. And you yes. wanted to come here. You you wanted this job. You yes. were, you're now the uh, executive editor at Features at mm-hmm. IGN. Mm-hmm. It's a job you wanted. This is uh, along the career path you chose to take. You're, you're right smack in the middle of the American tech industry and all the glory and horror that that entails. And... I assume you're, you're you're feeling thankful for that. This is a show about thankfulness. I, I'm absolutely feeling incredibly thankful for that. You know, like uh, so thankful to all the people who believed in me and supported me and helped me get here. Um, so yes, every day is like this is great, and it's it, you know, it it still it, as I sort of come to grips with the fact that I do live here, like the exciting things I can do or could do here like a dawning on me. Like we were just having a chat before about all the places I could visit in the States. And yeah. now those are real options yeah. that I can just go to the domestic airport now yeah. and just go there. You could just hop on a plane. I could just go them. there instead of it being this massive, expensive, international 14 hour flight. Yeah. You, you could walk out of this place, take a lift to the airport, grab a Southwest flight to LA and be in the same building as a space shuttle by, you know, four this afternoon. You could do that. It's crazy. It's so exciting. And and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to move over here in the first place. I mean, obviously, I was very excited for the job. Um, but, you know, the reason that I wanted to move over to the States is because I want to see the States. Um, when you, you know, I don't know how many uh, of your uh, listeners are based in Australia, Jared, or, or New Zealand. We're, we have an international audience. Right. Uh, so, so we get letters from those places, certainly. 
because you know most especially those countries um we grew up with american culture like we are just we are brought up with america Mm -hmm. it's it's not our culture but we we watch it we watch it on our televisions and on our movie screens and Mm -hmm. you know and so I, you know, we a lot of us have this real sort of fondness for the States, you know, this kind of romantic vision of the States. And I know that the States um, has its problems, obviously, um, but I just love the fact that I can properly kind of see the, the country that I was essentially raised by. Is that That's a weird a, thing to say? It is. It is a, and I, I mean this in the most literal sense of the word, it is a foreign thing yes. to say. Yeah. Because... Americans being generally American culture being so American centric, mm-hmm. being so internally focused a lot of the time, and then we are very much that way, uh, especially in regards to our popular culture. We don't have an absolute equivalent. I think the closest thing for me growing up, uh, big surprise here, was was Japan Mania. Yeah, uh, which I think the closest to this day mm-hmm. uh, America has to an international cultural entertainment fascination is Japan. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I think that that operates at a far less ubiquitous level yeah. than American culture does in a place like Australia. Yeah, or you New have Zealand. to seek it out rather than right. it being on your television screens, right? Twenty four seven. Voltron and Robotech are on when I'm a kid. Power Rangers is on, but so are twenty three hours a day of American produced programming on the yes. same channel. Yeah. Whereupon for you, I imagine. I'm. I mean, it was mostly so from my memories of being a kid like it had hit five o'clock and full house would play every evening oh have you been to the full house house yet i haven't been to the full house house yet all right you're in the I- nsf you gotta, <laughs> gotta go see it i know that i do um and you know that would be followed by um married with children and that would be followed by the simpsons okay so this is what we grew up with okay and it was every night we did have our own um new zealand produced shows and 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 stuff like that but Definitely in the 80s and the 90s, um, television was dominated by American American shows. What was the best New Zealand-produced television show you remember? The one you liked most that was actually a, a, a natively produced show? We had a we had a great kids show called What Now when I was growing up. And that was like just a group of young people um, and there were puppets and... Um, then then they would show cartoons okay like that that's what i grew up with we had a we had we still have actually a soap opera called shorten street that's been running for 20 years i guess roughly okay um so that's uh new zealand's equivalent of like neighbors oh yeah okay all right so no is it a soap opera in the american sense where it's a bunch of rich people sleeping with each other or is it a soap opera in more the domestic level like or like like ground level sense it's ground level it's very okay. it's it's definitely modeled on the australian okay on neighbors so, on or, neighbors okay, cool. yeah so, so or, or it came after neighbors then it, yeah it came after neighbors but it's you know it's so it's still going so i actually only know about neighbors from a pockets full of soup like supporter uh, there's a we have an australian friend named joel that's on a lot of our calls and right. i believe it's joel that first told me about neighbors yes so. neighbors is is Australia's, I think, longest running. Uh, shout so out to Joel. Joel's good people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this um, I uh, I keep hoping that someone will find a way to smuggle me out of the country to New Zealand, which from afar seems like heaven on earth. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is. I again, like, I haven't lived there for eight years, so I'm 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 coming at it from from that perspective. Um, but 
I, I, it's the most beautiful country. It, it really is like you can drive uh, five minutes and you'll see snow and um, dense bushland and like the sea. Mm-hmm. It's just there's so it's such a dramatic landscape and people don't re- really have any comprehension of how dramatic it is. Yeah. Um, actually, more Americans probably have an understanding of New Zealand than Australians because Australians don't go to New Zealand Oh. because they think it's just like their boring younger cousin and why oh. would they go there like the Australian Southern Annex like, yeah yeah the they're sort of okay. like oh I like why would you bother it's, it's sort of like people who are like I guess I don't know if the, this is an American thing but do Americans regularly visit Canada like as a holiday destination uh, Niagara Falls used to be and I think to some degree still is because of the natural wonder and cheesiness and tourist trappiness of it and right. some Americans go to Vancouver or Prince Edward Island but by and large, I think that it, it is Americans, again, fairly America-centric in their vacation spotting. Okay, and, so uh, that's, again, that's that's so different. So Australians and New Zealanders tend to travel outside of their countries. Yeah. Because we're so isolated. Okay, speaking very broadly, Americans, I think the majority of Americans tend to focus domestically on vacation. Right. There I are mean, many exceptions. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. But, no, absolutely. And, you know, New, New Zealand, yeah. But back to your point, New Zealand is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Um, I miss it deeply. I do think I'll I'll end up there. That's home. Yeah, that is home to me. Can can I come? Can I come live there? Yeah, you can. Okay. You can, can. We, can we can we convince Angie to come? To yeah, there? you can. Would we'll join me in that? I'll build um a little like a little flat at the bottom of the garden, and you guys you have can. Have a garden. I I will have a garden if I move back to New Zealand. I want to live in a flat. At the... <laughs> I guess the green card would be the hard part. Is there a lot of demand in, in New Zealand for middle-aged YouTubers slash copywriters slash video game writers slash social media specialists slash video producers slash podcast hosts? Slash... To be to be completely honest, Jared, I think you'd be surprised at how welcoming New Zealand is to a person with those skills that you just listed. Those aren't skills. Well, talent, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean. Talents? Those are just John. made up words that, that somehow comprise my career. <laughs> but like, New Zealand is, I, I I mean, I don't know what the, what the process would be. So I can't, I can't speak to that specifically, yeah. but New Zealand is by and large a very welcoming country. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. I, uh, Oh, we, we, you got to. We're going we're to wear Angie down over the next few years. We're going to try to try to convince her. That, I'm. I'm. Well, we don't want. We don't want to wear her down. We just. We just want to. We just want to win her over. Well, my goal, and this is a, a friend of mine. Um, we have the same goal. Is basically just to collect all the best people around us, and eventually just all move to New Zealand. Oh, in yeah, the end, like a cultic commune thing. Well, not like not like a cultic commune. But oh, like... you just took all the fun out of it. <laughs> but like you know, just friends in New Zealand, like. Yeah. Because it's such a great country and it's like underpopulated and I want all of my best friends to live there with me. That sounds amazing. So. I, I mean, I, I had a friend in college that he kept telling us that if we all separated, we were we were going to regret it terribly. And uh, he's like, no, no, we should, seriously, none of us, we should all pick one place to move and we should move to the same town and stick with that for a few years and we're all going to regret it if we don't. And at the time that sounded ridiculous and infantile and he was totally right 
Uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. all should have just stayed together. Um, who am I spending Christmas with this year? Several of those friends. <laughs> right, like, right. I mean, yeah, I'm just flying across the country to be with them when I could just see them every day. So I want to go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of prompted you with thankfulness because that's thematic to the show. But culture shock, Lucy. <laughs> so, yeah, you knew a lot about America. You've been here many times. But now you live here. And... I've lived internationally, and I think the culture shock, until you experience it firsthand, it's hard to overstate how weirdly banal and regular it can be. Like, it, it, it doesn't always hit you in the big ways. It's like what happens when you walk into a grocery store or you're walking down the street, or at least a lot of it was for me that way. You've done culture shock twice now. Yeah. First in New Zealand, Australia. Mm-hmm. Now you're doing it again. Yeah. Give us some American culture shock, Lucy. What's 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 really getting to you? What's what's surprised you? Um, okay, this is something really minor, but uh like people walk on the pavement in the same direction that they drive. So I walk on the left hand side of the <gasps> pavement just because like um what's well, sidewalk or whatever you call it here. Um just because I'm like that's normal to me and I don't realize that I'm going against the grain. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm constantly, especially in busy, like, downtown areas, I'm constantly just bumping into people because I subconsciously walk on the left-hand side. I didn't realize that people walk on the same, that those rules somehow subconsciously apply. You and I have had exactly the same experience. I moved to Japan where they drive on the left side. Yes. And I walked on the right and everybody yeah. walked on the left. And it was exact, except in that case, it was like I, I'm larger than the average Japanese person by a, by a long shot. And so I was just like the giant guy, Kokujin, like, like, boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, down the sidewalk. And people were just like. And folks were too polite to let me realize for a while that yep. I was completely screwing with things. And I was like, why do I keep feeling I'm about to trample these nice people? Yeah, it's... Oh, it's, I'm an idiot. It's a small thing, but it it's just something I'd never had anticipated. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It makes perfect sense. Um, other things, uh, like pores, uh, like alcohol pores here are really big. Like, they're much larger. Oh, like we pour big, big glasses? Yes. Okay. So, like, you're, you're like in Australia, you'd have, like, a whiskey soda. And it would be very carefully measured and just in, in a little, like, one of those little silver jiggy things. Yeah. And that's what you would get. Here, people just, the bartenders, they just pour until they decide that that's it. Yeah. It's like, ah, here you go. It's, it's so generous. <laughs> It's so generous. Now, and uh, dangerous. Are, yeah, it is. It'll sneak up on you. Uh-huh. And San Francisco, I think, is maybe even worse than that than some other places. Although most American bars I've been to are kind of generous. They are. Yeah. Um, but uh, now, are the prices of drinks here sticker shock or is it is it equivalent? They're, they're a little cheaper here. Okay. That, yeah. I'm surprised by that, actually. Yeah. Not, I mean, there's not a huge um, difference between sort of buying but like buying alcohol from a bottle store seems to be cheaper mm-hmm. um you can get a nice bottle of new zealand sauvignon blanc here for cheaper than you can in australia that's very strange i know is it's that a taxation so issue you think, i presume or? so it's the price you pay for having health care i mean <laughs> <is> that- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean health care is obviously another thing that's that's a that's a bizarre have you had to play with that yet yeah i i've got a i've got my coverage so, well i've submitted my what I want paperwork for your coverage yes yeah. I've okay. done that alright but again that's so strange I just it, it the the thought that I can't just 
go into a doctor's office and be like, hey, I've got, you know, in Australia, I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to go see the doctor down the street because I've got like a weird, like my elbow hurts or something like some yeah. like tiny minor thing. And you just go and see any doctor, just whatever, which one is closest to you. You'd pay 30 bucks and then you'd leave. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like, it's so it, the the concept of having to sort of apply for that privilege is very strange. Yeah. And I know that it's deeply flawed, um, but it's also very strange to do when you've been used to universal healthcare your whole life. Be a I've been way, yeah. so lucky and fortunate and I just, yeah, it's, yeah, that is a whole other thing. What's a, what's another thing that, that really has, has surprised you some? Anything that's popped out at you or either um, on the realm of the irritating or the delightful? Like, have there been any that are like, oh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the nice pores. So that's pleasant. But. Well, nice pores. And that also goes for food servings, um, just much larger here. Well, just, I mean, so are we. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's another, like, I'll get a meal and it's just like, this is a meal for two people. Yeah. This is enjoy a two, the car. Two-person two meal. Everything sort of feels like I'm. I, I should be sharing it with someone else. Well, I mean, how much? Uh, obviously, uh, America has a, a, a well-known obesity problem, mm, um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm a person that's very much in the middle of that. As I right. endeavor to lose weight, uh, do you think portion size has something to do with that? I mean, just the fact that. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, having come from. A country with sort of what I would assume is a regular portion size. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's like that. it seems like a very straightforward cause and effect. What's, you know? the, what's the most ridiculous plate you've seen since you've been here? Um. Well, I did get introduced. I'm not sure if it's ridiculous. I mean, it's delicious, but I did get um, introduced to the concept of um, tachos, which are nachos but with tater tots. I've never had this. So it's, yeah, it's just like a, a whole bunch of um, tater tots covered in cheese and bacon. Tater tots, cheese, bacon. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It's really good. That's real. Oh my. Yeah. I, I can't eat that. Yeah. That, that. I mean, I shouldn't have eaten that, but I did. Where'd you have tachos? Is it like this bar just down the st- street on second? Okay. Yeah. That's So not far from the office? No, really no, close. Okay, very close to that. Yeah. What about uh, so we've got we've we have culinary delights we have walking on the sides of the sidewalk and the rest of that I'm uh-huh. gonna hit you up for one more anecdote. Um, what else? I mean, I think generally people are very friendly here, mm-hmm. which I like. Like just at the bus stop, some old dude. Well, while I was waiting for Angie to come pick me up to take me here, yeah, this like old guy just started chatting away. You know that everyone thinks that I'm from like the UK. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just so like, are you from are you from the UK or Ireland? And it's like I'm not from either of those places. Um, I'm just flashing to King of the Hill, but uh, well, that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. But you know what I mean, like everyone. Just, oh no, no. When, when they hear a foreign accent, they're like, oh, that that's you. You must be from the UK. No, taking it another step. Uh, one one of the earliest King of the Hill episodes. Uh, we meet uh, we meet Khan mm. and Min and Connie. Do you watch King of the Hill? I used to. Okay. Yeah, I haven't watched it since it was aired on TV. But well, it's back on that, on Hulu now. Okay. Uh, I just got a Hulu account. It is along with Steven Universe the best TV show of all time. Yes. And, uh, but there's an early episode of that where um, the kind of latent racism in that neighborhood is awakened when Laotian neighbors move in next door. Right. 
and they're endeavoring uh, the, the the neighborhood people to be as polite as they know how. Yeah. Well, and it's all very very awkward because there's all kinds of terrible things happening that they're completely unconscious of, but they want to be culturally progressive. I see. For the neighbors. So good so that, intentions. So that well, some sorta. Okay. It, it gets mixed up. Yeah. But so, and in an effort to be polite, somebody asks uh, Khan, "So are you Chinese or Japanese?" Oh. And Khan's like, "We're Laotian." And Bill's like, the ocean? And he's like, no, it's a small landlocked country in Southeast Asia. There's four million of us. And they all kind of look at him. And then Hank just goes, so are you Chinese or Japanese? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and there's that, that idea we, with the, the huge, huge, huge portions of the world that are not instantly recognized by the American idiom. Well, I just want to get are, are just marginalized in our brains, and we can't comprehend that there might be people out there that we know less well than our expectations. I mean, I just want to, I, I just can't not bring this up. And I say this with absolute love. Our mutual friend, Greg Miller, used to think that New Zealand was in Europe. Did he really? Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> yes. Did he? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> when did Greg find out New Zealand was not in I Europe? I think it was on like an episode of Beyond or something. I like I don't it it was a thing at the time. I I was like when, so I was like every time we hung out did you think I was from Europe? Apparently he did. <laughs> Apparently That's he did. That's so beautiful. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to ask him about that next year. We just yeah. recorded our last uh, show of the year together yesterday. Oh. and uh, I haven't seen him yet. You haven't seen Greg? Not yet. Oh, we got to fix that. I know. Oh, my gosh. We got to fix Maybe that. Maybe share a plate of tachos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't have the tachos, uh, but you and Greg could share. Definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's been a busy guy. He had the kind of funny showcase. Uh, yeah, and, which uh, is amazing. They such did a really a, good job Such a great, yeah, such a great job. And, like... I thought the kind of funny showcase stood out because it was really highlighting a lot of smaller games, mm-hmm. and I think we there's such a space for a show like that, mm-hmm. for a um, an awards or showcase or whatever we're calling it. Like, there's such a great. I'm just glad he wasn't trying to do something that everyone else is doing. I'm mm-hmm. glad it's not another games games awards or, you know, E3 style thing. It's just a really cool venture. Yeah. The pacing was beautiful. The mission was beautiful. I want to ask you this. So, you know, I, this is not a game show, but you are a games writing professional, entertainment writing professional mm-hmm. both. Um, you talk about little games that were highlighted there. What, what little games are you thankful for this year? Okay. So I just, I'm almost at the end of um, Return of the Oberdin. Which I just got into. And oh my I gosh. am... I, I am in love with that game. Like, I am just straight up in love with that game. I, like, it also just shows Lucas Pope has got such a distinct voice. Mm-hmm. Like, because I could tell playing it, even though it's completely different from Papers, Please, mm-hmm. I could tell playing it that it was his game. Yeah. Does, do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's just, it reminded me so much of, uh, my dad, he collects books, and so when I was a kid again I was such a lucky kid whenever I tell the stories of my childhood I'm like damn you were really lucky um so I was surrounded by books and he used to have these murder mystery books and they were really dense they weren't for children yeah they were for adults they were really dense and like they'd have little bits of evidence physical like there'd be like a blood-stained handkerchief or something Ooh, like that do you know what I mean like in, that came with feelings yeah in oh, the actual pages that's so 
Um, and you'd have to try and figure out what happened, you know. And they were they were all really sort of gothic and 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 beautifully designed. And uh, Return of the Obra Dinn is the closest I've come to reading one of those books again, to like holding one of those books in my hands. For folks who haven't played it or even seen it, mm-hmm. can you give a thirty second precis of what the what the idea is? Okay, so it's it's basically a, a murder mystery. Uh, that takes place on a boat uh, where everyone on the boat. This is not a spoiler. This is right, the, this yeah. is the this is what. Has no, we're happened. just doing the premise. This yeah. is the premise. Everyone on the boat is gone, and you have to figure out through various clues um, how they died, and you have to identify them, and uh, yeah, and identify the means in which they were killed, and it's just so beautiful and unexpected like there are things that happen in that game that like i can't talk about because it's there's such massive spoilers but like that you know i gasped there are a couple of moments where i just gasped that's beautiful so for me that has been and again very lucas pope yeah Uh, that's kind of his thing yeah um papers please just like i'm stamping stuff oh Oh, yeah this whole thing goes way deeper yeah yeah, that's 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 his modest operandi. So there's one. Any others this year? Uh, I mean, I wanted to highlight that one because I feel like a lot of people haven't played it. Aside from that, um, it's I, PC and Mac exclusive. At this it point, is, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Aside from that, I mean, I got really ridiculously into Dead Cells, just like everyone else this year. <laughs> um, I still haven't finished it. I like got to the last level, and then something else came out, so I. Yeah, I put it down. Oh, no. But, uh, yeah, you can't... You should not put that game down because it's very... Like, my skills! Yeah, yeah, it's a whole It's a whole thing trying I've to pick it up. I've my skills! No, because was... it, is, it is a game that requires a whole bunch of repetitive, um, zen-like... Uh, you know, you have to replay it to get into yeah. that kind of mode that yep. you need to defeat the... The bosses into the zone. Into the yeah. zone. Yeah, I heard Jeremy Parrish, uh, the video game historian, uh, say once that he, when he beat Battletoads, mm. uh, which is one of the, you know one of the hardest platformers ever. Yeah, um, he did it without cheats and without warps because those broke the zone. Yeah, like to beat Battletoads, he had to play all the Battletoads. Yes, and not because it was some point of contention, but because it made him better at the rest of the game to play through the hard parts in that run and just kind of be in that weird warp trance that it takes to make that one perfect run. Yeah, and it's it's true. Like you can't put down hard games. Like because if you put down a hard game, it's it's you're not going to beat it. Mm-hmm. Like I have been trying to beat um, Dark Souls two. <laughs> For years, but the problem is, is I just keep putting it down and going to something else, and then I just don't pick it up again. Like, and by then I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I gotta go inside the troll dream, or giant something, there's ancient dragon, there's zombie mummy king, and I go down to the big hole, and there's like fish monsters or something. I don't remember any of this. And yeah. How do I cast spells? Exactly. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And unfortunately, when you try to get back in and remember, every time you die, you freaking turn into a <laughs> wasted mummy man and you suck. And so, that yeah, that's that game yeah. cannot be... Dark Souls 2. I, I like it more than most people did. 
I I mean, I love the Soul series, but I've got a really weird relationship with it. So yeah. I started, um, I hope this isn't too much of a segue, but no. I started uh, with Bloodborne. Okay. Which, you know, people call like baby's first souls, right? Mm. But it was still fairly punishing, I would, no, I would say. Yes. Yes, it's quite difficult. Yeah. Um, and I finished that and like finished it really, like I got the good ending and everything. Like I did everything. Oh, everything. I did okay. everything. All the Cthulhu stuff. I did all of it. Right, like right. I, I loved that game. It's actually like, I would call it now probably my game of all time. Mm-hmm. I loved that experience. That experience was almost like, I'm not a religious person, but it was as close to like a religious experience that I've had in recent years. Wow. Yeah. I just, I loved it. Like, I loved it. So I decided to go back and play all the Souls games, and I've had a problematic relationship with them, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, just having, like, just trying and failing and trying and failing and being too stubborn to summon, because I'm like, no, I'm doing it by myself. There are moments in two in particular, because of the way that two deals with death. Right. Like, two just just hates you for dying. Yes, and there are moments in two that until you achieve some kind of Eric Sap like Zen mastery, where summoning is is almost you mechanically just have required. To, you have yeah. to do it. The first time you fight like the evil C three PO guys, yeah, like summon, just <laughs> yeah. summon, yeah. Lucy. That's I don't the- know why. I don't know what this thing. I don't know what. It, I don't know how you feel about this, but I have a weird relationship with video games because I write about them and play them for a living right Mm -hmm. and therefore if i find myself struggling with a game i take it as this weird personal like why am i in this career like i should i'm so useless at games i shouldn't be playing them you know i should get like it's it's like it's a really damaging kind of mindset that i get into when i'm struggling with a game okay um because i'm like there's this internal voice going, you're bad at video games, so you should What? I know, it's stupid. and But that's where that stubbornness comes from. Because I'm like, if I, if I can't play Dark Souls 2 without summoning, then I'm a bad video game journalist. Which is so dumb. Where and do you I, think that comes from? I don't know. I, I, insecurity, I guess? I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think like... Not to draw too bad an analogy. Mm. Uh, actually, I realized I was about to draw an American football analogy, and that would probably be terrible. Uh, <laughs> it would but, be confusing. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I, I mean, hey, do you know anything? No, that's American baseball. Oh, these are all American. See, this is the problem. Like, I'm trying to draw a sports analogy between taking like one of the great famous baseball or football commentators, right, or play-by-play people, and you know, a lot of them hadn't been able to play sports for decades right. when they reached the apex of their careers as broadcasters. Yes. I mean, do you have to be good at I don't, video games to understand how to no. appreciate love and have fun with them? Do you think most people are good at video games? No. I mean, I, I think I'm, and I think most people would have, because I've grown up with video games, right? Yeah. So I, I most, like, m- most of us did. Um, so I feel like I've got an average to maybe above average in a very social situation where people are drinking um level of skill okay when it comes to games um I, i'm definitely not great but i i can finish a game from beginning to end and if i'm playing multiplayer well it depends on the game okay because <laughs> there are some i would never touch um but yeah, I mean, I yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. 
I just like I'm just curious if anyone else feels that way who works in this field like just is constantly like are you good enough at games to actually so you know I've had I've had moments like I had to stop playing Overwatch for example because my partner was so much better at the game than I was and I was stuck in silver. Well, that's the problem with com- with any kind of competitive game. I mean, or multiplayer in general. Yeah. Is that you, unless the game is very carefully designed to allow people at different skill levels to be able to coexist in a meaningful way, and that's hard to pull off, you end up in that situation. That's, that's yeah. But it's not like it, because of this sort of self-flagellation, flag- what's the word? Flagellation. Um, self-flatulence, I think. Uh, self-flatulence. That's better. Um, you know, I, I just I played it for a year and a half and then just had to put it down because it stopped becoming fun. Because it stopped it stopped being fun because I was just so like I was just beating myself up. You know. Oh, I don't want you to. Do- oh, sorry. I mean, I I don't mean to judge. That's not my. I've done some of that myself too. And what do you think you're gonna do about that? I mean, I just need to. I don't know. I just I don't actually know. I just need to. Like, I know it's stupid. I fundamentally well, well, know it's dumb. Is stupid or dumb the words you want to use? Well, no, I just, I know it's, um, it's, it's a flawed way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that um, I don't have to be platinum in Overwatch to be able to talk in, about video games and write about video games. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I can get that, like, cycle out of my head. Well, that's difficult. Uh, the difference between our thoughts and our feelings mm. can be very pronounced. I mean, we can know something academically and not be willing to emotionally accept it, or we can feel something powerfully emotionally that we can't academically uh, come to terms with. That's very common. I And I'm no psychologist, and I'm not going to sit here and psychobabble you, but I can tell you from my own experience um, that during my time in the hospital, a lot of those kinds of grooves that I thought couldn't be emotionally furrowed, those, those things that were so inset that I thought I could never change them, I learned actually in my life with the right help from people, I'm more malleable even at my age than I thought I'd be. Right. That I can change more emotionally than I thought. And yeah. again, that's just me in one circumstance. But the thing I learned was I couldn't do it by myself. Yes. Yes. Uh, which is hard. Now that and that's that's different for all of us. So yeah. I'm not telling you what to do. That's just a thought that when it comes to anything within ourselves that we go, I'm not sure I want to be that way. Yeah. Um, maybe some of it is we take it upon ourselves to change that and we forget that it's, boy, there's a lot to be said for depending on people. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. We don't want to put them out though, see? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we don't want to, we don't want to be a burden. <laughs> we don't want to be, when in reality, so often people are so glad to help us. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I think, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not something that occupies my every waking moment, um, and I have had a really crappy year, so it's certainly not been something I've thought about because there have been a sort of like a whole bunch of other crappy things that have happened this year. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Um, I had like a couple of friends, uh, sort of ghost, very close friends, mm-hmm. ghost me mm-hmm. this year, um, which was just a, a very horrific experience to go through because when you're ghosted by people you um you start thinking the worst about yourself because you've got no closure or explanation mm-hmm. so i had some explanation through friends mm-hmm. um 
but the common consensus was it was just a bunch of little things mm-hmm. <laughs> and that doesn't didn't give me any closure right right so yeah i like i i had a really i had a tough year because i for, for the first time and again this comes back to I've, I've had a very lucky life um but for the first time this year in my whole life i sort of started really disliking myself because i was telling myself that i am a bad human being mm. and that's why they left me mm-hmm. essentially these are like my two there are there are a couple they were my two closest friends mm-hmm. um so yeah that was that was really hard and that is ongoing but i feel like i'm coming out of that now what's causing the change um i think moving here was was a great i mean i know that it's it's that sounds stupid but um you know they were sort of i felt haunted by them because they lived in the same um sort of area as me and they were friends with my exes and they were all hanging out together in this big group of people around me so i was you know scared to leave the house like i'm like i will be honest like that i was scared to like walk through my neighborhood in case i saw them in case you encountered someone yeah so that's very powerful moving away from that situation mm-hmm. was great and I feel much like I feel liberated from that. Um, what else has happened this year? I mean, like I, I don't want it to, to just be a sob story. Um, I it has, doesn't have to be a sob story, but but I, I, if you want, and only if you want to talk about it. Well, I, yeah, I'm I'm happy to talk about. It. I mean, the reason that I talk about the ghosting stuff is because I want people to know that if you have a problem with other people, tell them and talk to them. <laughs> Yeah. Sit them down, even if you never want to see them again, even if you want them out of your life, which is totally fair. Um, I would just say, like, unless they're you know horrible and abusive, of which case just run a mile and you don't ha- you don't owe them anything. Mm-hmm. But if you've just got a problem with a friend or your friend's behavior or something like that, just t- talk to them. That's that's why I that's why I bring this up because it's just it's so damaging not knowing you've been sitting there just kind of eaten up inside oh you just you come up with the most ridiculous scenarios like i i I, at one point i thought that everyone in my life was faking who who was still my friend was faking it and was doing it out of pity (laughs) well i i have a secret to share with you i've actually brought you on here to (laughs) but you know what i mean but like i shouldn't make light you come you come up with the most ridiculous scenarios yeah um no i mean there's a there's a word that again i i uh, catastrophizing yes that is i did a lot of that this year mm-hmm. you know there was a lot of just self-hatred and catastrophizing and just misery well catastrophizing is so powerful because it it disguises itself as logic like we take our previous experiences mm. and we contextualize them and go well these things probably lead to this end yeah and that's logic that's trying to be predicative but with catastrophizing emotions slip in in an unhealthy way and suddenly we can't tell the difference between predicting something and predicting doom yes exactly exactly and that's powerful man yeah i'm i i I do that constantly it's it's really hard for me even now to to avoid that i'm just like oh everything is terrible and it's all gonna end awfully and it's probably my fault yes that is that is exactly what i was what I was doing for most of the year. So what what changes in the new year, Lucy? Um, and you, obviously, you only have so much control mm-hmm. over your life. But as you move into this this new year in America, in a new home, yeah. 
what things that you do have agency over uh-huh. do you intend to change? I guess what are those resolutions? Well, I mean, one thing that has come out of this is that obviously these people were upset with me for being a bad friend or for mm-hmm. in their interpretation not being there for them in the way that I should have been. Um, so I have learned from that. I mean... Do you think that criticism was fair? I think I think some of that criticism was absolutely fair. Um, and I just, yeah, I, I, I've, I wish that I had had no had been told that to my face, so yeah. I could actually. But anyway, you know, I, so now I'm just a, a lot more. I've chosen to be a lot more. Uh, I guess there for people. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm just I'm I'm trying to be a better friend. How do you do that? I think you do that by um I don't know, little things. I think it's little I, you know, that I was told by these these friends that it was a whole bunch of little things that I was doing wrong. So I'm like it's little things that I want to do right now. Okay. You know, like just checking in with people, um saying hi if you haven't said hi for a while. Mm-hmm. Um birthday cards like little things just little things that make a difference to someone's day no this is this is uh this is remarkably resonant for me i I have a good friend yeah um, a great friend somebody i admire to death and i had uh reached out a few times about you know i went out on my own this year Mm. business-wise and one of the things i've discovered is that the barriers between work and life just erode it for me a lot and even as I've tried to keep them up it's a constant struggle but I'm always looking for new ways to make new things and I'd lost some context there and one of my friends I was reaching out to them about getting together and making something and said by the way somebody should probably tell you this said, this is no unkindness at all but the last few times you've written to me the last few times we talked at all have just been you going, let's do this thing for me. For like, Yeah, right. You haven't talked to me as a friend in a long time. But your friend was so great for having yep. said that to exactly. you. Exactly. And they were direct yep. and straightforward and ridiculously graceful mm. in mm-hmm. that process. Just yep. like, but, you know, this doesn't keep me from, from still loving you. Loving you. Yeah. Somebody needs to tell you you're doing this. Yes. That person probably saved me several other relationships this year. Yeah. It's, and I yeah. owe that person a great deal. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's we're not perfect. <laughs> Lord, no. No one is perfect. Um, but. Except maybe for Rachel Vice. Oh, actually, yes. I stand corrected. Um, but, you know, good friends are there for you when you're being an asshole. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I that's how I sort of view it. Like there are going to be times when you're going to mm-hmm. screw up in your life. Yeah. And the good friends are the ones who like take your shoulder and say you are screwing up. Yeah. That's important to have somebody that'll do that for mm-hmm. you. It really is. You know, I think that's not exactly where I intended to go this time around, but I think this is a good place for us to wrap up. It's a really good place for us to wrap up, Joe. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Lucy, thank you for being so transparent. And honest and straightforward. Thank you for being you. Um, I the, It's better being where I am. It's better living in San Francisco. In a San Francisco where Lucy O'Brien is, is a part of life. It's uh, a lovely thing to say. And I feel the same way about living in a, in a city with Jared Petty. Oh, watch out for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, 
There's a reason they call it the city that never sleeps. I'm actually secretly Wilton Fisk, the underworld kingpin of the Bay Area. That's right. Just put a big white suit on me, shave the beard, and I'm a Marvel villain. Spider-Man, watch out. All right, friends, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.